Christmas edition. Welcome back to Coffee Hour Podcast. How are you? I'm all good. I'm all good. First ever Christmas edition episode on Coffee Hour. How are you doing? I'm doing very good. And in the spirit of Christmas, we should now say I know that everyone who's been listening has been waiting until after the 10th to celebrate Christmas. But you're okay because we're recording this on the 13th of December, which means, yes, you now can start celebrating Christmas. So go ahead, guys. Just fucking go for it. You get the coffee hour pass. You get the coffee hour pass. And actually, we both have a coffee this time, which is not always the case. So. Yeah, that's that's how we do it. We are recording this later, to be fair. We usually record around lunchtime. How was your day? Tell me about it. My day was very good. I went to St. Albans with my partner. So St. Albans is this really, it's quite, a, it's quite a beautiful town just outside of London. And particularly over Christmas time, because obviously they've got like all the Christmas lights up. And uh, some of the architecture within like the town center is, it's quite, I would say, it's like countryside English in a way. So it's really beautiful to look at and it just gets you in the spirit. I get what you mean. Yeah, they it does look beautiful. I've seen some photos from it. Did you go to any like Christmas markets there? Um, they did have a market on, but it was, you know, it was just like food and stuff. So it wasn't really specific to Christmas. Um, we ended up going in Starbucks actually, which is pretty disappointing considering, yes, okay, they did have food stalls, but alas we went to starbucks that, that, that's a good call did you what did you get i got um i think it was <laughs> all right bear with me with this one <laughs> chocolate gingerbread a hot chocolate with cream and some chocolate shit on top <laughs> first of all yep. i respect you for remembering that when you went up to them that's like a sentence was that like a limited edition drink it was and i was saying this when we were in the queue i was like you know back in the day it would just be coffee and tea but now you go up there and you're so overwhelmed you're like what do i order and i was ordering and i literally forgot like halfway through i was like what the fuck am i getting (laughs) um but yeah and then she started the barista started like saying do you want cream on this do you want like chocolate sprinkles and i was just like yeah, I might as well just go for it because, I mean, I've already chosen like a gingerbread hot chocolate, so I might as well just get the whole shebang. And I have to say, um, it was quite nice. It was quite nice. It did cost £5, though, so I'm not I'm not going to be recommending it, guys. If you go to Starbucks, do not get the chocolate gingerbread hot chocolate with cream and chocolate <laughs> sprinkles. But, but you know, you got to try these things in life. Uh, I mean, yes, yeah. I mean, if it's limited edition, Starbucks does does all right. Limited edition drinks, to be fair, some of them, some of them are good. Some of them are just unnecessary. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, that to be fair, the biggest problem with that is just remembering the name. Otherwise, you're good to go. I was fortunate, like I said, to have the name right in front of me. It was just on a board up top. But you know what? I was just thinking. I was thinking. We've never actually explained why this podcast is called Coffee Hour. We've explained like where we came up with it and what we want to do with it. But we never actually explained why it's called Coffee Hour. Break it down. Tell me. I think it's pretty simple. So we came up with the podcast through late night gaming sessions and 
you know i think also we can we can count you know late time facetime sessions perhaps watching a film yeah and when we would do that and it sounds weird now because we've sort of stopped doing it although then again we have for this episode but we'd always have a cup of coffee and That's so right, yeah. we'd coincidentally we would and naturally we would call it coffee hour when we would be having these long chats about random things so i just think seven episodes in we might as well explain why it is called coffee hour do you think i've given a a good enough explanation now? yeah to be fair like that terminology it that's literally where it came from like we didn't sit down before this podcast and we're like okay let's brainstorm brainstorm ideas for like podcast name it was literally that technically if we were recording all those conversations we had we probably would have been on episode 200 now uh but yeah that's literally where it came from like i remember we'd be like i'll be on at like 8 30 and i'll be like okay well i'll be there with the coffee and we'd all go on and then you send me a photo and i'll send you a photo of my coffee be like coffee hour let's go or we'll be like okay let's watch this movie we'll call each other we're like okay you got your coffee nope okay right i'm waiting go get it like that, that was the rule that's the whole thing and it still is somewhat to this day yeah although like rarely now but yeah i mean you kind of bottled it you drink tea now i do drink tea um but i still drink coffee like every day i just drink it in the morning but when i go to bed i don't because i'm nowadays i'm in a position where if i do have a coffee in the evening it sort of does keep me up whereas before because i think i was drinking you know three or four cups a day and this was during lockdown because well firstly we just had nothing else to do and secondly i like coffee um it didn't affect me but now it's like i want something you know hot to drink at night i might as well just have tea and i quite like tea come on let's not roast tea no tea is all right tea is all right i I tried the one you told me which was it was a green tea sainsbury's basic green tea atp for 30 bags you can't go wrong there yeah see i tried that to me it felt like medicine somewhat i don't know if you understand what i mean but it was good don't get me wrong it just didn't feel like this is something to have when i'm trying to enjoy like let's say watching a movie when i'm trying to play games when i'm trying to do work but it it was good i'm not gonna like it wasn't bad i'd still prefer regular tea over green tea though each to their own i think it's so it's so light that i just like i said i just wanted something like hot to drink before i go to sleep so it's quite nice and i'm sticking with it you know i've had it for probably the last two months and i don't see any reason to change and the bonus is it's really cheap so you can't go wrong there that's a good that's a good point it it becomes a problem when you go to starbucks and get tea please tell me you've never done that before I actually, to be fair, I know a minute ago I said you used to go to Starbucks and it'd be like two options, coffee and tea. But I've actually never seen anyone get a tea at Starbucks and I've never seen them like advertise it. Is it on their board? Like, do they actually serve yeah, tea? Yeah, it is. they do serve tea, but you're right. I've also never seen anyone have it. It's weird. Do, do we have a branch of tea shops in England? Because we've got all these coffee shops, but is there one that specifically uh... focuses on tea? That's a good point. I don't think so. And I don't think it'd be a good business idea anyway. Why not? Because Britain is known for, for tea, even though tea doesn't even come from Britain. It comes from India, I believe. So, But we've got like Starbucks, Costa Coffee, Cafe Nero. 
So why do we not have the equivalent, but for tea? Well, I'd say the problem with it is it's a bit too specific. It's like, let's say I'm going to be opening a food shop, but I'm only going to be selling hot dogs, for example. Like you'd want to have the variety of, okay, I have pizzas, I have hot dogs, I have burgers, but then most people will most likely go with the hot dog. Like it's fine to have a tea shop let's say in a way where you go in and it's mostly tea based but also sells coffee because i i'd assume out of 10 customers who'd walk in eight of them would want coffee however back to your point if it's meant to be a specific tea shop then obviously people who walk in would want teas yeah but like you said what did you say you said it's too specific but isn't isn't the idea of a coffee shop too specific because in its inception it is just about serving coffee like, I'm sure the first Starbucks was probably just coffee and no tea. So it's the exact same premise. I just think it's weird that we don't have, in the UK, we don't have a chain of tea shops. Of course, we've got, we have loads of individual tea shops. You know, if you go to like villages, um, it's really nice to go in there and they serve cakes. And of course, they serve coffee and whatnot. And there's individual ones, but there's no like chain of tea shops like Starbucks, Costa or Cafe Nero. I just think it's interesting. Um yeah you're right so maybe there is and we don't know about it but like it's even if there is it's not a big significant shop for us to say oh, okay we know that and it comes to the top of our head straight away i'd say one reason is when you even go to starbucks or anywhere really costa or wherever and you get tea it's just the same they're gonna put the tea bag and then put uh boiling water on top so you could literally have the same one made at home whereas with coffee like it's a bit more tricky to get it the same way at home because obviously they use these high-end machines they use the coffee beans like obviously it's not like the best quality um but it's still something you won't be getting at home unless you have a professional coffee machine whereas with tea it's just a tea bag and uh what is it like boiling water yeah should we start a chain of tea shops called coffee hour <laughs> yeah i agree that's that's like outside the box like not letting them know your next move I agree with that. I'm all in. Because we've just identified a gap in the market. So, I mean, we might as well exploit it, right? Let's do this. I agree. Let us do this. I was just thinking about another thing, and it's completely different to our point. But when we started this podcast, we were told that there was another really popular podcast called The Ice Coffee Hour. And I just want it out there that we genuinely had never heard of it. And I still never listened to an episode of it. So, if we ever get accused of taking our name off of them. We have never listened to an episode of the Ice Coffee Hour. I couldn't tell you what they talk about. I'm sure they're very good at what they do. And we did not copy them. I just want that on the record. Yeah, honestly, I saw, I also never heard of them ever before. Like to me, but I think it was you who told me like that your brother or someone told you that that podcast exists. I was like, what do you mean? That doesn't even like the name doesn't even match. Like it doesn't even go. And then I think it was one of us that looked it up and we're like, oh, wow, this is like popular, popular. Like we didn't listen to it or anything. Like we were like, oh, this is big. And I remember literally right after we recorded our first episode, and it's actually quite funny, literally after we recorded our first episode, I went on YouTube and then on my YouTube, I have a lot of, you know, these short clips from podcasts, like the recommendation, which by the way, stay tuned. Um, I get those recommendations and one of them was, Patrick with David but not his own podcast I think he was on the coffee hour uh, ice coffee hour podcast and I saw that clip and I didn't watch it but I like saw like the thumbnail and I was like 
ah, oh, my, it must be a big podcast because obviously Patrick Wadeva is not going to go to like any podcast. I see what you did there. That's what I want to say. And I also want to say personally, not to throw shade, but I think just plain coffee hour rolls off the tongue better than the ice coffee hour. So not to throw shade at our competition, but I think we got the better name. I, I agree with that. It just goes better. Like once again, that to me feels like a sentence. It doesn't even go. Speaking of like those short clips, I saw this clip of someone and it got sent to me the other day of someone making a coffee and they had this incredible setup. And it was just like, for me, it was like, wow, how can you invest so much time into making a coffee every morning? You know, he had, he had the beans. He was, I don't know what he was pressing. Some, he was steam pressing something mm. and it was so much effort, but I was hooked and I mean, the end product, it must have tasted so good, but it was like, you put in all that effort, effort just for like a small espresso. Anyway, I thought it was, I thought it was a really gripping video. I totally agree with you. If you actually go to my Instagram, like on the bit where it just like suggests stuff for you, um, most of it is like these coffee videos where like these people have these professional setups, they have like the beans they grind the beans and then they press press it down then they spray it with water then like and it's so satisfying to watch it just the whole process it feels like that's such a relaxing thing to do like i'd love to personally have like everything not just a coffee machine where you just put the beans in and then like you put the fil filter in and it does the rest for you like the ones that you do everything on your own and then they weigh it and then like they spray it with water and they do everything. And then eventually, as he says, like at the end, it's just like espresso shots, like a double espresso or something. But it's just so satisfying to do. On the other hand, when you go to my ex, as in to my Twitter, um, this is why they need a different name, by the way. Uh, all the suggested videos are people getting shot in the head. So I may have bipolar. We might have just discovered it here. In regards to what you said on the first half of your answer... I would say I feel like you're describing the exact video that I watched the other day. I wonder how much all that equipment costs because in this video I was watching, this guy had, I don't know, it must have been like three different machines. Yeah. One of them steaming it, one of them's, you know, grinding the coffee beans. It must be so expensive. Like the gear that he had looked more impressive than what you see in like um, a coffee a coffee store, for example. Yeah, literally, like, even when you go to, like, a coffee shop, you'll just see them obviously have the beans in, like, a big machine, and then they put the, like, they put the glass, or they put the mug, or, like, the disposable cups under it, and then they just press a button, and it's ready to go. But with this, it's, like, it feels like that, but manual. It feels like you do everything, as in, like, you have to time it, you have to do it. I think, yeah, we, we I mean, I've seen so many videos on that. I personally think I definitely watched the video you, you're talking about. I think, like you would probably do it a few times. And then unfortunately, I think the novelty wears off and you would just get really bored of the process. You're like, I might as well just buy some instant coffee here because this is taking so long. I've got to do so many different things. But those videos nonetheless are really satisfying. I think it is like that, to be honest. I think you're right. And I didn't think about it because I assume it has to be a very expensive investment anyway, just because of the amount of things I've seen they use. Exactly. You've got to have money. So should we get into our first topic? Let's do this. I want to talk about Tottenham Hotspur finally ending that five game 
streak without a win with a 4-1 thrashing of Newcastle United. Did you see this game on the weekend or did you see any highlights? I saw the game. I saw the results a bit. I saw some bits. I also don't know what you're talking about when you're talking about that five streak. doesn't ring a bell. Uh, but yeah, great, great results. I remember winning every single match we've ever been a part of. But yeah, that's a spirit. Well, great games. Well, I mean, Newcastle are no pushover. So although they are seventh in the league right now, we've got to remember that they finished in the Champions League places last season. And although they are, I would say, injury plagued right now in terms of where their squad is, they still play some very good football. I just think it did come down to a factor of a Tottenham needed this win and it's we've been playing good enough football to get a win. It just hasn't happened yet. B, I think that, yeah, you've got to talk about the injury factor for Newcastle. You know, they're playing more matches than they have for quite a while this season because they're in the Champions League, for example. I would be a little bit worried if I am a Newcastle fan just because this is back-to-back games where they have lost by a three-goal deficit. Now, I believe they're going to be playing in the Champions League this week and we don't know the result of that yet and perhaps they'll win and perhaps everything will be fine. But they did lose to Everton 3-0, who, by the way, since since that 10-point deduction, which we spoke about a few weeks ago, Everton have been doing really well. And then not in the relegation zone, by the way. So shout out to Everton. But for Newcastle, it's it's not been a great two weeks, I would say. But for Tottenham, finally, because these past five games before this Newcastle game, we could have won three of them. Like, we had the goals there, and I believe we scored first in every single one of the games. It's just, firstly, obviously, we conceded more goals than we should have, but it was really mainly down to just stupid mistakes, right? A player Mm. being really creative in the midfield, for example, a player making and taking risks, and then, unfortunately, taking those risks leading to a mistake. The flip side of it is you take that risk and then you get a goal out of it. So it's not something that you can sort of coach out of them or take out of the team because the way that this Tottenham side is playing is they do take risks. They they do play it close to their opponent, you know, in yeah. small spaces. But it's just about eliminating those mistakes. But nonetheless, it was a really impressive performance because last time we played Newcastle, Tottenham lost 6-1 mm. last season. So... This is a huge turnaround from where we were at the end of last season. And it's it's nice because we ended October top of the league. Now Tottenham are, I believe, fifth. So just outside the Champions League places, but moving back up the table again, which is good to see. Yeah, to be fair, like one thing you we have touched on in previous episodes is how entertaining the football we play now is. And mostly talking about Tottenham at the moment. Uh and yeah, that I like the fact that there's a risk. There's a risk factor in every single match we play. Um, and there's also downsides to that. The five-match losing streak, for example, which I don't remember, by the way. Just putting it out there. Um, but yeah, like at the end of the day, like, like the, the quality of football is better. And I feel like there's then more to learn and there's then more to adjust. And like this feels like a type of football we play. And each game we can learn more if we were to play that team again. Um, that being said, talk about Everton, third play to them. And I believe we are playing them 
a day or two before Christmas. Actually, no, I think it's the 23rd we're playing Everton. That's going to be a tough one because Everton are in good form right now. Like I said, you know, since that 10 point deduction, I believe they've won three or four games and that might be in a row as well. Yeah, they just look really strong. And if if you add on those 10 points, I believe they're in the top half of the table. Um, yeah, ahead of Chelsea, be. at least. Not to throw shade at Chelsea, who have spent over a billion pounds over the last calendar year on signings. But Everton, who have a 10-point deduction, would be ahead of you. So um, for any Chelsea listeners out there, just bear that in mind. For Tottenham, you're absolutely right when you talk about entertaining football. Because you know what it actually does? Even when when we're losing games it doesn't feel as bad exactly when you when you compare it to the fossil football that we were playing before you know that really boring defensive Mm. football where they're just absorbing pressure they're not attacking at all they're not taking any risks you're shouting at the tv yeah yeah it's okay you know to well it's not okay but it's 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 it lightens the blow when you're losing 2-1 but your players are out there giving everything they're out there with 25 shots and that is something that I really like about this Tottenham team. So I think going forward, I would say, firstly, it's about eliminating those mistakes that I talked about earlier. And secondly, it's about having a bigger squad so that when we have the injuries that we talked about a few episodes ago, we have the quality of player to bring in where that injury is just not going to affect the overall balance. And then you have not only a really exciting attacking team, but you have an, a, a, an exciting attacking team which can actually compete for trophies and not just, you know, the FA Cup or the League Cup, but the Premier League, for example, the, the biggest trophy in the domestic sphere. And so it's a really exciting time to be a Tottenham fan, I have to say. I agree with you, though. I agree with you, though, 100%. Now, with our match against Everton, I, I believe we have another match in the next two, three days. I'm not sure which team, but I, I'm sure it's going to be an easy match for us. Um, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what, who we're playing against for our next match, but I know the one after would be Everton. I believe it might be Nottingham Forest oh, you're because right. I yeah, know you're it's right. on. I know it's on TV. I just can't remember who it's against. But you would hope because usually how these things go, right? You can just tell from the trend of results. If Tottenham have failed to win in five games and now we've won a game, you'd probably assume that Tottenham are going to win. We'd go into Forest favorites anyway um but it's just like that's usually how results swing so i'm not feeling too worried about that i'm not sure actually where nottingham forest are in the league table i don't think they're in the relegation zone so i think i think they're doing all right um but i think it shouldn't be a problem for us you know and we've got the goal we've got the goal threats so i would love to see you know another 4-1 just above everton 16th on the table okay so yeah they are down there but like I said, not in the relegation zone. And Forrest are a solid team. Not a great team, but certainly a solid team. And they can score goals. We did see that last season. I've seen quite a few fixtures where Forrest have got, you know, three goals, for example. So there's no problem there. Yeah, I think I think that's obviously we're going to go into that game as a favourite, as you said. Um, and I believe that's a good mental... That's good for us mentally going into the Everton match because obviously... They are hungry. They're hungry. They want to win. Obviously, Everton's fighting for their life right now with that 10-point deduction. Had they not had that, they probably would have been a bit more relaxed. Uh, but 
knowing they have that 10 point deduction, they have more to work for and there is more reasons to work for it. Um, so they'd be motivated. They're definitely bringing their A game. Um, but I'm looking forward to that match. I'm, as you said, I'm not too worried about our next game either. But the 23rd, that's going to be an entertaining one. And I'm definitely looking forward to that one. Uh, depends how it goes. Though. I feel I feel this group has a really strong psyche collectively. Because even though they did go those five games without getting a win, it really didn't phase them. Because... They could have, you know, lost three in a row and then the fourth game just capitulated. But they've stuck with the way that they're playing. And some people will call that stubborn. But aside from being really entertaining for us, the fans, it's also forged this identity. And I think by forging that identity, they've also forged that collective psyche of they can sort of take anything on which is really exciting going forward. Like I said, you know, if we can just eliminate those mistakes, if we can get in, you know, some more squad depth with this mental strength that this team seem to have and with this footballing philosophy, which they're stubbornly or perhaps not stubbornly sticking to, it's a really exciting fan time to be a Tottenham fan. And it is, it is fair enough for me and for you to come out and say, yeah, we're going to be playing Nottingham Forest, but I'm just not worried about it because it should be a game that Tottenham are winning. The Everton one is going to be really interesting, like you said, because they're also on a run of form. They must feel unstoppable right now. Imagine having a 10-point deduction and then winning your next three or four games and you're nowhere near the relegation zone, Mm. really. I mean... It's a great time to be an Everton fan because the last few seasons they've really been down there and they've been struggling. But I said this a few weeks ago when we spoke about, you know, Everton's yeah. point deduction. I think this was the right season for it to happen if it ever was going to happen because they look fine. They look good enough. This is a team that's probably going to finish mid-table, to be honest. And even with that 10-point deduction, I still think they will. Yeah, literally, exactly. I mean, they probably didn't want it to happen this season. Obviously, no team wants it to happen. Uh, but yeah, back to your point on saying we play like it looks like the five matches didn't phase us. I believe that somewhat goes back to knowing what you put into your previous matches. As someone who competes in combat sports and stuff like that, I could tell when you even do a fight, when you do sparring, I haven't lost a fight, so I can't really comment on that. But even in sparring, when you go in with the intention of, okay, I'm just going to be there, shell up, try to cover up, not get hit. Just, just you know, cruise, lose around. That's it. I'm, then I'm gonna go home and re- relax. Then you're gonna feel bad after that match. Then, then the moment that happens, you're like, okay, well, I did it. But then you're gonna go back home. You're gonna be like, why did I not try? Like, why did I not give it my best shot? Do I really need to do that? Like, what would have been the worst that would happen? But when you go in with the intention of winning, when you go in with like, okay, I'm gonna give it my absolute best effort, and then you fall short, then it's gonna be like, okay, you may have not won it, but you know you've tried your hardest. And you know what you have to do next time. Because if you try your hardest and it doesn't work, it will show you where your weakness is. So you'll know what you have to work on. Um, so I believe that the fact that the five matches didn't really phase us somewhat goes back to the style we play at the moment. Just because if you know you haven't given it your best effort and that's not the best you can do, it's just not going to be putting you in a good place to go to the next match. Whereas if you know you've gave it your best effort, 
then you can find holes in your game and fix that. Exactly. And it looks like not only have they given it their best effort during those games, but like we've been saying, you know, for the past 10 minutes, it's about having that clear philosophy of playing and sticking to it. And so they know that they are doing the right things and they can get results by the way that they're playing. I think we should actually, we've been speaking more about Everton than Newcastle. So we should talk a little bit more about Newcastle. I think right now, I don't want to write them off the Champions League because they're seventh and I believe they're on 26 points. So Mm -hmm. that is seven points off top four as it stands. Yeah. So yeah, well within the race. But I think those those extra Champions League games are taking a toll on them, which is understandable. They're in a similar position to Tottenham in the sense that they just need more squad depth because we've watched this Newcastle team last year. We've seen them this season as well. They are a really good team. You know, they I literally said it a few minutes ago. They ripped Tottenham apart. They won 6-1 last time we played them. So they're a really good side. But I think it's just a case of, these games are taking a toll on the players. They need a bit more squad depth. And perhaps this season, they might get, you know, Europa League, for example. They might finish fifth or sixth. And that's fine because this was already a club well ahead of schedule. They only got taken over two years ago. Yeah. Um, and two years ago, they were in a relegation battle. Last year, they got Champions League. So it's been a drastic turnaround. I think in that sense, if they didn't get Champions League this season... I know the fans would be disappointed, but I think you've got to look at the bigger picture and go, listen, it's going to be back-to-back seasons in European football. And I would definitely back Newcastle to get European football. It's just uh, a, a time for them to weather over this period, you know, where they just don't have that full squad. But I think they'll be fine. Uh, back to your point of saying they're playing a lot of matches at the moment. I'd like to say, as we are recording this, they're playing in the Champions League right now, and it's the half time. And they'll won a lot, actually, against Milan. Uh, so fair play to them on that. But yeah, you, you'd know it'll have an effect on your on your players. You'd know it'll have an effect on them when they have to tr- play every single time. And then mentally, do you know what it is? Once again, from a perspective of someone who had to compete in wrestling matches, boxing matches, um, when you play in two different tournaments at the same time, Deep down, you'll pick one. And you may not even say it, but deep down, you'll value one more than the other. And just without you knowing it, you're going to be putting less effort into the one you valued less. So I remember like back when I used to wrestle, for example, you'd be doing school championships and you'd be doing like town championships, which is like just for the city you're in, uh, which is basically every school. So school championships would just probably be the two, three schools around you. Just just like from schools, only schools who do wrestling. But like town championships would be actual wrestling academies involved in it as well. And with those, it'd be at the same time. So you may have like two wrestling matches, three wrestling matches in the same day for the school one. And like the next day you had to go for the other one. So mentally a day or two before you had to really think which one do you want more? Because you can't give it 100% on both. It's just your body is not going to take it. So deep down, you'd be like, okay, well, I want that much more. Let me save my A game for that. So with the other two, I may go like 80%. It may go 70%. So the fact that they went from a new management team and they went from being down there 
two years in to being top 10 in the Premier League. That's really good. Whilst playing in the Champions League, whilst winning as we speak in the Champions League, obviously not winning the Champions League, but doing well, that's very impressive. Obviously, when they lost against Tottenham, Tottenham is a top team. Like, we have to consider that as well. Um, And they knew, okay, they're going to have to go into another match soon, which is for the Champions League, which is going to be as difficult. So it's a matter of the players perhaps mentally picking that game over this game or this game over that game. Uh, But yeah, fair play to them. Like, obviously, a team like Newcastle, like, you don't expect them to start the uh, Premier League and be like, okay, they're going to win it. You don't expect that, honestly. Like, because there's so many top teams. There is, there is obviously, I don't want to even, I don't want to say Manchester now. It's, yeah. As there's Man City, we've got Tottenham, we, we've got Arsenal, which, I mean, obviously, not as good as Tottenham, none of them. But it's just all these teams, like, it's hard to be in the circle with all those teams. It's just hard to even compete with them, nonetheless, win against them. So, yeah, fair play to them. Like, I'm genuinely impressed with what they're doing at the moment. I do think you're right, actually, when you say it is a little bit of them prioritizing, you know, one tournament over the other. I don't think it's right in the long term, but I think in this specific case, I would say that Newcastle were prioritizing the Champions League over the Premier League. And I think we saw that, for example, with their substitutes. So, Callum Wilson, their their main striker, was on the bench for 60, 70 minutes, right? So they were resting him for today's game. And why today's game is so important is, like you said, Newcastle currently are 1-0 up against AC Milan. And that puts them, as it stands, second in the group. And in order to progress out, out of the group into the knockout stages in the Champions League, you need to finish in the top two. So if Newcastle beat AC Milan... And if in the other fixture in the group, PSG either draw or lose to Borussia Dortmund, that will mean that Newcastle go into the knockout stages, which is a massive thing. So this early in the season, we are in December, we're almost at the halfway point. It is right to prioritise Champions League. This is a club who have been out of it for, it's got to be two decades now. It's a massive thing for that city and it's a massive thing for that club. So you're absolutely right when it comes down to, you know, prioritizing one tournament over the other. And you could sort of say that for Manchester City over the past decade. Although then again, they are, I would say, a bad example because, for example, they have won four Premier Leagues in a row. But the big thing at Manchester City was, are they finally going to win this Champions League? And it felt like every year that was the one trophy they were focusing on. Now, of course, it's a bad example because they were winning the Premier League at the same time. But that team is just of a different standard. But finally, last year, they won the Champions League. And now the narrative about Man City, who are not top of the league as we're recording this, who drew 3-3 against Tottenham the other week, and they've drew quite a few games recently. Now the narrative is like, oh, they've won the Champions League. You know, what do they have to win anymore? The players are not giving it their all. So it is a question of motivation. I don't really buy into that storyline with Manchester City, for example. But I think you are right, yeah, when you say that Newcastle, perhaps they just had different, you know, underlying mo- motives. You know, what what is more important in this immediate context? And it definitely is the Champions League. And I would love to see them go through, actually. Now, it all depends on PSG and Borussia Dortmund. Borussia Dortmund are top of their table with 11 points. PSG, I believe, are on eight points as are Newcastle, but Newcastle are ahead on goal difference. 
I would love to see them get out of the groups, though. So we've got to support the English teams, of course, even if they're not Tottenham. Yeah, of course. They're representing us at the end of the day. So long as it's not Arsenal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. They, they need to go. Shall we pivot on to UFC? We haven't spoken about it for quite a while. Um, do you want to get straight into it? Okay, let's get straight into it. The reason we haven't spoken about it, by the way, was because obviously for people who don't know, UFC does one pay-per-view every month. Uh, so we'll definitely try to cover the pay-per-view. Other nights, they do fight nights, which sometimes they're big fights, sometimes they aren't. So we'll try to keep the big names, basically. Shall we Shall we talk about the pay-per-view ver- first, actually, because you brought it up. And I'm curious to know, why did you say once a month? Yeah. So why do they do that once a month? I thought that UFC is like a fortnightly thing. They do it every two weeks. So why is it once a month? Well, yeah, see, there is a UFC event every two weeks or sometimes even every week on Saturdays. But pay-per-view events happen once a month. The reason for that is pay-per-view events are something they sell. So, for example, with your fight nights, which is non-pay-per-view events, which happen every week or two, they're like a subscription base. So if you just have BT Sport, if you just have... um in America, you have ESPN Plus, you could just watch them, like you don't need to buy them. Pay-per-view, you have to separately buy it. Now, right. the thing with pay-per-view is, it's usually title fights, like the main events, co-main events, the main cards, they're all, sometimes they're title fights. Like, well, always, the main events and co-main events is usually always a title fight. So a title of a world champion is on the line, as in the world champion is involved in the main event. Obviously, there isn't that many active, well, there isn't that many world champions anyway. Uh, so it's these big cards, it's these big names which you're selling, like people have to buy it, that it has to make sense. Whereas like with fight nights that happen in every week or two, sometimes you may not even know who, who the person is in the main event unless you're like a hardcore UFC fan or MMA fan. I see. So so it's a question of because they're title fights, there are only so many titles and so many big name fighters that you can only do them so often. Okay, that's fair enough. That makes sense. Because I was going to say, well, surely UFC is big enough, you know, to have an audience where they can do pay-per-view every weekend. But you're absolutely right. It's just a question of there's not a lot of titles, is there? Yeah, yeah. Unless they add more titles, which... Then they ruin I mean... the sport. Keep in mind, even with this event, yeah. there's only only the last two fights of the card is title fights. The rest are like high, like high-ranked contenders. The rest are people who sell... It's just stuff like that. It's just basically selling. This is more market-based, whereas the other ones, fight nights are more, how can I say, it's more for the fighter to build themselves, to market themselves, show what they can do to get on a pay-per-view. In that sense, doesn't it sort of take its lead from boxing in the way that the cards are structured? So you have your main event and then you have your co-main events. Is that something that they've taken from boxing? Yeah, to be fair, I don't necessarily think it's been taken from boxing. It's just from every combat sports in general. Obviously, MMA came around after boxing, but it's a system of which works. Like when you go to a boxing fight, you'd usually go in for the big dog. Like you usually go in for someone who you know and like is a famous person. And you wouldn't want the famous person to be the first fight on the night because people would just watch it and then leave. You'd want him to be the last fight. You want it to be people, like you want uh, to be anticipation. You want people to be high. You want people to watch all these other fights, watch all these other knockouts. And in some cases, with a pay-per-view events like this, where you have it's UFC 296, by the way, Leon Rocky Edwards versus Colby Chaos Covington, 
uh, welterweight titles on the line for the main event. For the core main event, I believe we have the flyweight hunt, uh, title on the line between Alexander Fantoja and Brandon Rival. Um, it's a flyweight title on the line, my bad. Uh, but yeah, it's like, for example, if people are tuning in to watch that, then in the process, they're going to be watching all these other fighters who may then be future stars, who may then be the next champion. And because of that, they may become fans. They may want to watch them when they are a big name, when they are headlining a card. Yeah, exactly. So you want to build up to the biggest fight. And before that, you want to have the next generation of the individuals and the fighters who could be in that title fight going forward. So for this coming weekend, you've just said who is fighting Leon Edwards versus Colby Covington, UFC 296. Who have you got? Who's the favorite here? Um, The favorite on the books is Leon Rocky Edwards. Obviously, Leon Edwards is the champion right now. He's coming off of two victories over Kamara Usman, who's arguably the greatest welterweight of all time. Arguably. Very close to GSP, uh, George St. Pierre. But this, it's no joke headshotting Kamara Usman and knocking him out cold. Keep in mind, that was the rematch. The second time, which Leon Edwards fought Kamara Usman. Usman was obviously on an unbeaten streak. Um at that time Usman had already beat Edwards early in his career by decision and it was a fight of which he was easily winning and it was like a minute left until he went to the shadow realm and then obviously in the rematch he won again Leon Edwards won again now Colby Covington personally one of my favorite fighters in the UFC just because of his character I don't know if you followed him before on social media or see what he does um He's just a character. Like, this guy roasts people and this guy sells fights. He's one of them cringy fighters. Not cringy in a weird way, but it's, like, funny. It's, like, funny. You know what he's doing. Like, he's going in to roast everyone. Like, no one's safe around Colby Covington. I do I do know of the name. I just want to say it does sound like it's quite a meaty fight. You've got re- You've got two really big names here. I personally, because I don't know, you know, their records, although you have said that Edwards has knocked out the welterweight yeah. goat twice, once, yeah. or at least once, sorry, but beaten him twice. So, and also Edwards is British. So my gut feeling is to go with him, uh, but carry that on. That would be a reasonable fight to go for. Like Leon Edwards would be a reasonable fight to go for, like reasonable pick. Uh, obviously he's coming off of two wins. Keep in mind, Colby Cummings coming off a win from Jorge Masvidal as well. But that was a long time ago. That was maybe a year ago, just more than a year ago. So he had a long time off of fighting anyway. Oh, that's yeah. interesting. Is, is that gonna is that gonna work in his favor or not? Because how do these usually go? I know that fighters like to they like to fight more frequently than you know annually. For example, they like to do two or three fights a year. And this guy you're saying has been out for a year or almost a year. So is that gonna work in his advantage? Or is it a case of him overtraining well, for this fight? Well, the reason he was out is actually very unfortunate and somewhat funny. So in his last bout against Jorge Gamebred Masvidal, which big name, definitely heard of him, uh, he beat him easily. And they had bad blood. Like they went in with the intention of killing one another. Keep in mind, that's a, that's quite a sad storyline as well because they used to be best friends early on in their career. Like they used to live together and stuff. But in that fight, they were there to kill each other. Uh, 
after that fight, basically, Masvidal couldn't take it, couldn't take the loss. So he went to the club Kobe was in, or the restaurant Kobe was in, and he sucker punched him in the face, which broke his front teeth, I believe, or his lips. I don't know, but it was like an injury. And then he claimed that he got, just so he, he get punished, just so Masvidal's, uh, Masvidal gets punished, he said that he got brain damage from that. Therefore, he technically wasn't allowed to fight because how could you have brain damage and fight? Um, so he had to be out for a long time until that case gets sorted in the court and stuff like that. But Kobe Covington always comes in shape. Now, hear me out. Kobe Covington is arguably a better wrestler than Kamaru Usman. And keep in mind, Usman's only way to beat Edwards was wrestling. So, and with, see, Edwards is the best striker at welterweight. Standing up, no one beats that man at the moment. No one beats him. Uh, underground, he's good as well, don't get me wrong. Like, it's not like it's just a cakewalk when you get him to the ground. He's really good underground as well. But I I feel like Kobe could win this fight just because of his cardio. He has insane cardio. Like the pace he puts on you is unbelievable. He doesn't have as much power as you'd think a welterweight should have because obviously he doesn't cut weight. And that's partially a reason why he has great cardio because he does not cut weight. Like he fights at the weight he genuinely weights in at. Um. The thing is, the thing is, though, like, I don't, these fights where it's, you've described here two great fighters, two fighters, perhaps at the top of their game. It's sort of like a 50-50 because they both have pros and cons. I personally, I haven't seen either one of them fight before. Um, I'll definitely watch the highlights after this. I'm not going to stay up until, what is it? It's probably 3 a.m. again, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I won't be staying up, but I don't know. You said Edwards knocked down or knocked out the goat so of his division. So I've got to go with Edwards. So what's I know, your final prediction on that? Edwards I know, by the what? way, I know you love a storyline and you want to go with Colby Covington, but <laughs> yeah, it's got to be Edwards. By what? Knockout decision? What? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Do, do we have... There's no knockdowns in this, is there? No, no, no. If you just knock him down, you just get basically extra points. Okay. Oh, yeah. I do. How many knockouts on average happen in UFC at the top oh, level? A lot, a lot. That being said, Colby Covington has never been knocked out. He was stopped by Kamaru Usman in their first fight. So as if Kamaru hurt him really badly and he went down. He was almost out, but it was somewhat of an early stoppage by the referee. Like, the ref stopped the fight, but he was getting back up. Uh, actually, Leon Edwards never been knocked out either, as far as I know. Um, well, you did say that um, Covington supposedly has brain damage, so, I mean, now would be the perfect time to get knocked out. <laughs> actually, that's true. If the case is right, if what he claimed is right, then... Yeah, I don't think that's going to go well for him then. I mean, even if it's if it's not right, I mean, come on, man. You're a fighter and you want to fight. So it's not the smartest thing to say that you've got brain damage from a punch. It's assault anyway. 
you don't need to say that it's brain damage. The guy came into the club and he assaulted you. Yeah, literally. Yeah, he was gonna. You could yeah. press charges anyway. Yeah, literally. That. I, I, actually, that being said, I think he lost the case. Did he actually? Yeah, I think he lost because obviously Jorge Masvidal is a big name, man. He has the best lawyers. I think it was just a case of him paying like a fee and that's it. Smells of corruption. Yeah, literally, I think it was that. Another fight on the court, which is actually it's what we talked about somewhat earlier of the new up-and-comer fight in this veteran of the sport is Paddy the Baddy Pimblin. Do you know him? I know that he is Irish and Liverpool. Think... Paddy is from Liverpool. Is this guy? Right, we're cut. We're cutting that out. Sorry. <laughs> I know that he is from Liverpool and he's a scouser. And I have seen some clips of him a while back, actually. And he seems quite a personality. So I don't know what his fighting game is like. I just know that he has that personality side. And I sort of like that. He's he's a showman, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. But Paddy the Baddy is a showman. Like, he's there. Like, if he's on the card, you know there's going sh- to be a show in that fight. Like, and to, the build-up is going to be amazing. Who's your prediction there then? Is he getting the dub? See, this fight is really interesting. Paddy the Baddy Pimblin is fighting Tony Elkakui Ferguson. Tony Elkakui Ferguson is going into this fight at 41 or 42 years of age. Six fight losing streak, whereas Paddy's going in with six win win streak. Um, so before you continue, because I we we looked at um. We looked at the cards and we looked at, you know, all the details before this. And I recognized his face. I didn't recognize the name, but I recognized mm. his face. Is this a fighter who has been to the top and now he's sort of on a, a downward streak? Um, Yeah, basically, he's towards the end of his career. That being said, he's made some real big changes to his training camp this season, at this time. However, this is one of the cases of which, you know, they're feeding the star. As you said, you're not a massive UFC fan, but you've recognized the face. Uh, so he's one of the stars of UFC. He's a veteran who's most likely not going to win this fight. But they're feeding him to this up-and-comer who will just build a name for himself if he were to beat Tony, Tony Ferguson. Um, now, that being said, Paddy the Baddy has a lot of holes in his game. I don't think he'll be beating any of the top contenders at lightweight at the moment. Um, this will be an interesting fight though, because I watched an interview with Tony Ferguson and he seems to be in a real good place mentally. His training camp was actually with David Goggins and David Goggins is going to be cornering Tony Ferguson in this fight. Ah, Yeah. And David Goggins has this week called the hell week, which apparently Tony Ferguson has been the first person to pass that. And you could just see it in some of the training videos out there from them like where he's running up the treadmill he's stopping he's throwing up straight back at it straight back at it and then he's going doing press ups straight back at running and he's just throwing up just basically dying but he's just pushing himself to the limit now obviously you've got to send me some of these because actually i recall hearing this recently on joe rogan he was talking about how david goggins was training someone and actually that might be where i recognize the name i know I think I said I didn't recognize the name, but actually I do remember hearing Joe Rogan talking about David Goggins training someone. It's quite interesting that he's gone for him. It sort of makes sense, though, because you did say he's 42. So, Mm. you know, you've got David Goggins, you've got this endurance athlete, incredible mindset. I think 
that's that's an interesting that's an interesting play. That's an interesting throw of the dice there. I totally agree with that. Now that's controversial when it comes to whether or not you've picked the right training method because a lot of people will will then say, okay, well that's overtraining. A lot of people will will then say was that something a 42-year-old man should have gone through for preparation for a fight for his life? Um, that's that's the side of it. But I personally think it was the right call. The reason for that is when you're at that age, when you're still fighting, you, first of all, you shouldn't be fighting at that age anyway, especially if you're on a six-fight losing streak, of which you were on the receiving end of some devastating knockouts uh, during those streaks. Um now keep in mind at that age you're not going to be developing any new skills or changing the way you fight so it's best to train your mind rather than your body i believe and going with someone like david goggins is exactly that it's going to train your mind it's going to tell you what you're capable of doing and it's going to put you in a mindset of okay kill or be killed and i think in that regard he's done the right choice picking David Goggins because it's just going to mentally put him in a good place and the recent interview I watched from Tony Ferguson he was in a really good place mentally keep in mind for a long 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 time Tony Ferguson was the man to beat Khabib Nurmagomedov they were scheduled to fight four times of which three times Khabib pulled out um so Tony Ferguson is no joke Tony Ferguson is a really dangerous fighter. Obviously, he's not the same. It's like when you watch him now, it's like, come on, Tony, retire, man. That's it for you. But it's still, it's still an interesting yeah, fight. Yeah, I mean, the one thing I would say is, I guess you're absolutely right when you say because of age, you can't really develop any more physical skills. So the thing that you want to train is your mental side. I just think because of the age and because you've said he's had some, you know, devastating defeats recently and, and he's on a six six fight losing streak, why why would he still fight? Because isn't it you're putting your body at risk, right? You're putting your body at risk of long term damage. And in that sense, perhaps it is, you know, the time to sort of take a take a step out of the octagon, you know. Um, put the gloves down and retire. That being said, clearly someone who is mentally in a great place um because he's going out to win he is going out to win and i guess he has nothing to lose because like you said he's lost six in a row either way it's not going to affect his legacy is it and it's also going to be another payday but it is one more throw at the dice to see how it may go and for anyone who doesn't know who david goggins is and why it's sort of a big deal he is i don't want to describe him as an influencer nowadays because that's not what he is but then again he is he's certainly a, a motivator but he's a former navy seal an ultra marathon runner an author a motivational speaker and in that sense like a motivational influencer but the guy certainly from i've read one of his books and i've seen videos of his and i've seen him on the podcast circuit he's certainly got an iron will like mentally there there are there is not anyone that I can think of who who is as tough as him. And so if you want to be developing and training the mental side of your game, he is the best man for that. I agree with that as well. And I think well, 
just watching David Goggins, just hearing David Goggins, and I believe you've read some of his books, like, you know what that person described tough, being tough as, like, you know when he says this training camp is going to be tough, what he means by that. So we're talking 600 press-ups whilst wearing a vest. We're talking running straight after that. We're talking non-stop training and training and training. And that's uh, just a warm-up. That's Yeah, exactly. That's probably just a warm-up at the end. Um, and for someone to pick that, be like, I want that, first of all, is a good sign. Look, Tony Ferguson's a freak of nature. Back in his prime, this guy used to, his training was seven hours of grappling, not even water breaks. That's it, seven hours straight. His training methods were, at the end of the day, he's going to be elbowing a metal pipe for hours until he sharpens his elbow. He's going to be kicking a lamppost as hard as he can with his shin bone until he... We do not recommend. Oh, yeah, we do not recommend. There's videos of him, though, like standing by a lamppost, kicking it with his shin as hard as he can until it starts bleeding. And it's like, yeah, that's good now. And they just limps off. It's just, it's like, he's like that. Um, for a man to overcome that challenge, I believe the harder fight within this fight was the mental side, which he's already done and he already won. Knowing um, David Goggins. Can I, can I just say, yeah. some people would say that kicking a lamppost until your leg and your shin is bleeding is mental illness. Other people would say it's mental strength. I guess it's, you know, what divide do you sit on? But go on. That being said, I'd like to add on that. Tony Ferguson has had a lot of mental problems. So. Well, mm, yeah, there's that. Yeah, there is that as well. But he's been, he, I guess, yeah. I guess I don't want to speak for him, but if you're saying he's had mental problems, then perhaps, you know, the octagon is a way for him to, and, and you know, pursuing uh, martial arts is just a way for him to grapple with his demons, I guess you could say. Yeah, that. yeah exactly. And he says it, he said it many times, he will never retire, which obviously is not a good decision. But I ho- see, I don't want to say I hope he wins because I like Paddy and that would kind of be the end of his hype if he were to lose now. But I also do not want to see a legend like Tony Ferguson take unnecessary damage at the end of his career. Like, this is what the UFC does. This is, like, the dirty move they make all the time. It's understandable, fair play. If you want to stick around and fight, if you're a big name, you have to fight big guys. You have to fight big names. Um, And fair play to them. Like, during these last six losing streak Tony Ferguson had, none of them have been against bums. Every single one of those fights was against top contenders. Every single one of them, back to back to back to back. Um, I'm still really interested in the results of this fight. I still think Paddy would get it with, I'm going to say, around two stoppage. And I hope the referee stops the fight early on this one if Tony Ferguson's taken unnecessary damage. This is how it works, though, isn't it? Like, if someone wants to take that leap into the big league, they do have to beat a big dog, you know, mm. and even if they're on the on the come down. I think the best result here for everyone would be for Ferguson to lose and for Paddy to win, but for it not to be a battering, for it to be really close. And that might actually work for Paddy's advantage because it might be a really tough fight, you know. And of course, people are going to hold it against him when he takes another step up into that big league. But yeah, you, like you said, I mean, you said Ferguson in his last six fights has had really, really tough opponents. They haven't been pushovers. So the man certainly is not a pushover himself. Mm. Can I just say also... <laughs> this this fight this undercard sounds better than the 
than the top draw, to be honest. That's what I'm saying. And that's not even the only fight on the undercard. We have some real good fights on that. We have Steven Wonderboy Thompson against Shafikot Rachmanov, which is another great fight. We've got Ian Gary, who's another up-and-coming uh, Irish fighter who's fighting Vicente Luque. All these are big names. All these are fighters who going to be the future. Ian Gary is also a welterweight. He's very interesting to watch as well. Apparently, apparently, Leon Edwards has knocked him out in training before, and they're not allowed to train together again. But Ian Gary is really good as well. He's he's better than um, Paddy Pumlin in terms of like the hype he gets. He actually represents it inside the octagon. Whereas with Paddy the Baddy, like even his last fight was against an unranked opponent, and he arguably lost that fight. Like, if you're being a bit harsh scoring it, he lost that fight. It was a case of Francis Ngannou versus Tyson Fury. I think he lost that fight. Oh, one of those ones. Well, yeah, how, one old is, how old is Paddy and what's his record? Um, Paddy the Baddy has 20 wins, three losses. Um, and I believe he's on the younger side. I believe he's 26. So he's young. He's quite young. And how long do these UFC fighters usually go for? Because you said Ferguson is quite old and he's 42. So do people retire before Ferguson? Is that what usually happens? Um, usually you're meant to retire before you hit 40. The issue with this game, the issue with fighting in general is you're usually retired on your back. As in the game retires you. Not many people retire at the right time. They usually stick around until the game retires them. A perfect example of a perfect timing for retirement. I was going to ask you that. Yeah. A perfect example would be Khabib Nurmagomedov. A perfect example would be Floyd Mayweather, where they made the money, they made the name, they didn't take damage. That's it. They, they, they said, this is our legacy. That's it. I'm leaving it. And it's a good legacy. A lot of people asked them to come back. A lot of like, shit ton of money has been offered to them to come back but it's unnecessary um you see all these fighters which they just can't let go and they wait around they stick around until the game retires them um and that's usually nine out of ten. Nine out of ten fighters usually get retired by the sport instead of them retiring from the sport that does make sense it's it takes a certain level of you know mental toughness doesn't it to to know when to retire and with people like Khabib and Mayweather in a way for for fans it's frustrating because you're like come on please come back but they they know they're smart enough to protect that legacy protect not just a legacy but their physical self for example you know to not put themselves in harm's way I think Khabib's Khabib's motive is a little different isn't it it's yeah it's to do with his father it's to do with family mm. um i believe it's a promise he made to his mum that he wouldn't fight again or something like that so that's right yeah that one's different i'd love to see him fight again though khabib is really good he'd beat every top contender at the moment khabib from what i've seen from highlights he just hugs people and doesn't let go it's incredible it's to see yeah. yeah once he's got you you're just done that's it and it's crazy. See, this is where the traditional training in the mountains in the middle of Russia, in the middle of Dagestan comes in play. And then you put him against like these jiu-jitsu black belts. You put him against these high-ranked college American wrestlers that they think they're somebody until 
someone like Habib Nurmagomedov grabs them and good luck getting up. They look like amateurs on the ground when this guy well, grabs them. No one's been able to do it in the octagon, have they? Because yeah, no he's one. unbeaten. Exactly. No one's been able to. Not even unbeaten. He only lost one round in his career, which is crazy. And that one round was against Conor McGregor. If if Khabib comes back, I will make a promise here that I will watch a live UFC card if he comes back. Uh, well, UFC 300 is around the corner. So it will happen in the next four or five months. Dana White is hinting at a super fight. And that may be Conor McGregor, but that fight's already been in talks for a while anyway. I think it's going to be Conor. I don't. I honestly don't think so because I don't think they're going to be leading or headlining a UFC 300 card with a non-title fight. Yeah, but he is. Is he not the biggest name? He's bigger than UFC, UFC right arguably. now. Yeah, exactly. So it's a it's a massive fight. I mean, who else could who else could lead that? What if Khabib Nurmagomedov comes out of retirement and fights Conor McGregor? Well, my educated guess would be he would win it. And he would win it more comfortably than before. Um, he had a long time off. Before That's Connors true. And I, and I did bring that up about Covington. So I would be a hypocrite if I did not bring that up. It's true. But I think, firstly, I don't see it happening. Although I would like to see it. But secondly, I think you are talking about one of the goats of competitive sport. So... And he's still, he is within that age range, isn't he? He's not on the older side, so... Yeah, he's still young, 30, I, I think. Yeah, I reckon he would still be in incredible shape, and I'm sure he would do some sort of training. Yeah, yeah, he still probably trains. Khabib Nurmagomedov is awesome. He's really good at fighting. Uh, and, yeah, it's the thing with people is, the fans, at least, I'd say, is they refuse to believe someone's unbeaten. And as a big boxing and MMA fan, I understand that. It's like, it's hard to think um, you can go without losing. So that's why people always want them to come back. They're like, okay, come back for one more. This is the person that's going to beat you. And then you go and they walk through that person. But this is the person that's going to beat you. So they want the person to continue fighting until they lose. That's what they wanted for Mayweather to happen for years. It didn't. That's what they wanted for Khabib to happen. I think Khabib would have lost eventually in his career had he continued fighting. I don't think Khabib would have gone undefeated because right now the champion is Islam Makhachev at that weight, who's the student of Khabib. They're basically brothers. He's arguably better than Khabib, and he has lost before. He he, he got stopped before. In fact, he got knocked out. Khabib just appears really intelligent that... In the sense that although you're right, every every fighter and every athlete has that, you know, natural physical decline and eventually you're going to end up on your back and lose. But I like to think on the side of he would have retired earlier anyway. Mm. Like he probably would have. What would you say is the peak of your prime? 33, 34? 30, yeah. He probably would have, he probably would have retired at that age anyway, I think. Because he just seems, I don't know, he doesn't seem like the type of guy... He would want to carry on and carry on and lose and affect, you know, his physical health and whatnot. He does seem like the type of guy who would go out on top anyway. 
Well, see, I think, well, he retired in 2020, early 2020, I believe, or like mid-2020. Uh, it's almost 2024 now. If he was still around... Four years. If he was still around, yeah, that's crazy. If he was still around, he probably would have done at least four more fights to this date. Or five, let's say, if he were to do two fights in one year. If he were to fight the top contenders of lightweight four-door fight, I think one of them would have cracked the code. So... If it is Khabib and Connor, hypothetically, would that be the third fight, right? That would be the second fight. The second one. Okay, well, you heard it here first, guys. Ashi is predicting Khabib versus McGregor rematch UFC 300. Let's see if it happens. To be fair, I'm predicting a Khabib comeback. Maybe not against Connor because Connor's already in talks for Michael Chandler. And uh, yeah, I don't think the one with uh, Khabib is likely to happen anyway. But I am thinking it could be versus someone. It could be versus someone as possible. Defi- See, actually, I don't know because the champion of that way, if Khabib were to come back and fight, it would probably be for the championship belt. And Khabib doesn't want to fight the champion. The storyline, though, is Khabib and Connor. We know from Connor's personality that he would definitely bite on it. So if it is going to be this mega event, surely, come on. Oh, you could, you could see that. it happening. I don't think it's going to happen, probably. But not. you could definitely see McGregor, you know, dropping whatever negotiation he has for the Chandler fight if the Khabib one is on the table. Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. He has that desire to compete and get back what he lost in him. So yeah, one hundred percent, he'd be the type of guy to do that. That being said, I think Conor McGregor would be on the UFC three hundred fight card anyway. All right, man. Should we wrap this up? Let's do this. Before we go, though, tell me what you've been watching lately. Okay, so firstly, I I watched Squid Game Lynch. Loved it. It was amazing. Um, I think it was rigged. It was amazing. Did you finish I it? Finished it. Yeah, it was incredible. Okay, we're not gonna sp- we're not gonna spoil anything, but I'm gonna say and tell me if you agree. I think the right person won, and I was rooting for that person. After a certain point, I was also rooting for that person. Like after maybe like the top 10 or after like the top 15, I was rooting for that person. But before that, I wanted someone else to win. I guess, though, we were rooting for that person because it was edited in a way that made us want to root for that person. Do you get what I'm saying? Mm, So Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because obviously they knew that person won. Yeah. And the editing was really smart. I think overall, and again, we're not going to spoil anything, but I think overall Squid Game The Challenge was a really entertaining game show and i can't think of a better totally one that i that i've ever watched so for anyone who's listening and hasn't tuned in yet you can watch all 10 episodes available now on netflix and i highly recommend it and if you haven't seen the original series watch that too i agree squid game channel was really fun to watch um what do you know what we should do go on we should sign up for the second season and recreate the Gamble Gang 2.0 with the boys. Oh, uh, and you know, you know what? Um, the guy with the mullet and the doctor—they both got Instagrams. My partner showed me. Oh, really? They do. I'm gonna send you. I'm gonna send oh, you their yeah, profiles after we finish that. recording. Yeah, send me that. That that's great. That's great. That guy's a legend. On what I've been watching. Actually, I've been watching some TV. I've been watching some films. So I'm going to bring up a YouTube series that I've been watching from a travel YouTuber called Bold and Bankrupt. And he did the migrant trail from South America all the way to the US border. 
and it was incredible. He just released a video on his experience going through the Darien, which is a rainforest between South and Central America. It's the most dangerous part of that migrant trail. And just an incredible experience. I highly recommend watching his series of doing this migrant trail. It might be four or five hour long videos. Um, But in terms of like travel content that I've seen on YouTube, it is the best that I've seen. And it's quite, you know, he's interacting with these people. He's getting, getting their stories, getting that sense that they're putting everything on a line to have a better life. And it was something that I was, I was affected by in a way. It was something I really enjoyed. And I, I'm glad that I've been able to to see that experience. So I would say check out Bold and Bankrupt on YouTube. I believe you showed me one of their clips when we were on holiday together. And I loved it. It was when he went with the Taliban. That was really funny. And you know what? His videos are usually funny and... These migrant videos had that, but they also had that serious element. Do you know what I mean? Mm, because, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's such an incredible but harrowing journey. Um, and this is this is not the best way to sell the sell the the series, for example. But when he was crossing the Darien rainforest, he was talking about how, unfortunately, you would just walk by people who didn't make it. You know, people mm. who unfortunately had just passed away um, because whether or not they had twisted an ankle, broke a leg um, and they just couldn't make their way through it. And of course, you run out of food. Um, you've got the indigenous population who are extremely dangerous. You've got the cartel who operate through there. And you've also got the wildlife, tarantulas, poisonous snakes. And if you run out of food, you run out of water, you get an injury you are liable to die. Um, and so in that sense, it's extremely harrowing, but he made, he made his way through it and it's just a brilliant series. It's a different, it keeps that bold and bankrupt style, which is always, you know, humor, positive energy, showing you the culture, but at the same time it had a more serious edge to it. And I really enjoyed that. Of course, I do want to see that, that content, you know, where he's going in like Afghanistan and meeting the Taliban and stuff. That's always brilliant, but yeah, it was really good to watch. Uh, yeah, it's very unfortunate to see that basically it's all down to luck. Like the fact that we were born on another side of the world and they were born there without having the option to pick. Obviously, they wouldn't have picked that if they did. It's crazy. But I shall I shall look into it a bit more because that was the only clip I watched from them. And we were, we did that months ago. And I will send you those Instagram profiles. Yeah, do do that. Uh, with the next week one, I'm also going to be talking about this trending movie, Family Switch, because I'll be watching it with my girlfriend in a few hours, actually, after, after recording this. Switch. Who's in that one? Um, so Family Switch is basically just a quick, quick, like, uh, how can I say? Just a quick introduction on it. Uh, first of all, it's trending on YouTube right now. Not YouTube, my bad. First of all, it's trending on Netflix right now. It has Emma Myers, who was one of the stars in Wednesday, like the female, the cat one. It's got Ed Helms. These two are the basic, these two are the stars. And it's got Jennifer Garner, I believe. Um, basically, the story is two kids, a female and a, and a guy, like teenagers, and a parent. And they switch bodies for like a day or two, I believe. Um, 
and it's like the kids being upset at the parents beforehand and the parent being upset at the kids and it's just the kids switching body with the parents so yeah it's that and i'm gonna watch it and i'll let you all know how it goes next next week ah, okay and what is it on um it's on netflix and it'll basically be a comedy slash slash christmas-ish movie and i'll probably be watching it right after this recording actually the thing about these these latest christmas films is unfortunately they're just not always that good um Although actually having said that, I saw Wonka on the weekend and Wonka is good. So I recommend that. But I, yeah, I might, I might check this film out. Yeah. I mean, I'll let you know, like I'll watch it tonight and I'll let you know, obviously over text and the next week you could perhaps talk about it for a bit if it's good. All right, man. Well, I have been your co-host, William Code. I'm your co-host, Arshia. And thank you very much for listening to Coffee Hour. We shall see you on the next one. Take care. Take care.